Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the king of horror, Andy G, welcoming you back to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Mad Monkeys film pick of the week from 1996, The Frighteners, directed by Peter Jackson. But before we get into all that Michael J. Fox goodness, we're joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Goof Gay Keith. Oh, man, what is going on tonight, everybody? How the fuck are you? Fucking Very fine. Subdued. I am fucking fine. <laughs> Everything is King fine. Is fucking fine. Myself every morning. Oh, far from it, but that's what I remind myself every morning when I look in the mirror. Like, you're fucking fine, oh, dude. Just fucking face a day. And I'm like, hey, buddy. Only a couple more hours, so we're back in that bed. Sanctuary, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's good. It's good to laugh. <laughs> and of course, we're joined also by the psychotic Simeon, the Prince of Moore's Day. Yes, get fucking with it, monkey. Oh, you got a king. Hey there, fight fans and monster maniacs. It is talking terror time, baby. Your favorite radio broadcast for horror movie reviews. Every Wednesday night, we are coming in your ears live from 9 to 11 p.m. with the latest news updates on all the latest spooky projects. Don't forget, you can always listen in to any of our hundreds of episodes on Blog Talk. Spotify and iTunes, baby. You just remember to share the love with your favorite horror broadcast by liking and subscribing to Talking Terror on both Spotify, <laughs> shit, Instagram, Facebook. Whoops. Fuck, I fucked it up. It. Oh, shit. Fuck it. <laughs> What's up, my friend family? <laughs> we'll fix it in post. Yeah, we'll post. Yep, we'll redo that in post. Yep. <laughs> yeah, the the clear editing that I do on these episodes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Hours on Clearly. Yeah, you, you know, know sweet <laughs> sweeten some of these tracks, add, add some laugh tracks to it and also in post. Oh, you have to. I mean, you could add anything in post. Like everything just works out in post, so it's fine. Um, but we're also joined by the returning very astute, the very educated, very opinionated demonic dean himself. Welcome back to the show. Dude. Oh, thank you so much for the kind words. It's been it's been so long. I feel like I don't even remember how to do this. Um, I feel like I feel like I just haven't been on the show for a while. I, I realize it's only been a few weeks. Who are you? I was thinking I was thinking about it earlier today, and I was like, man, I feel like I just haven't been here at my setup. I haven't my notes. I haven't had to do anything uh, for 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 quite a few weeks. But we are here. We are live. We are back, and uh, we're ready to deliver uh, the the content that people so appreciate from, from our team here this evening. It's All like one of the him. Usos coming back. <laughs> he's only been gone for a few weeks. Holy shit, he's back already. Oh, my God, I'm feeling so oozy. <laughs> hey, 
Feeling kind of demon. <laughs> easy, easy. Hey, it, it's fine. You know, no, hey, we're, we're happy no, to, to have that. <laughs> yeah, no, he doesn't know what that is. Right? <laughs> he has no idea what the fuck Usi means. I just like I'm feeling kind of dingy or something. Like that's lost on him. It's lost in translation. Like, I'm feeling dingy. You know. There you go. Then I'll be like, oh, that's right. It's my nickname. So there you go. So I mean, you're fine. Um, yes. But yeah, so obviously, uh, glad to have you back, Dean. Getting ready for horror news. Uh, it's been two weeks. You know, the one week I was in the hospital. The other week you had life. Uh, but you're back, so that's uh, most important. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to say real quick before we get into horror news is that uh, oh, for those of you who don't know out there, uh, there is a show that uh, the first episode is free on Amazon Prime. It's called Psycho, The Lost Tapes of Ed Gein. Uh, it's a four-part series with the other parts airing every Sunday on MGM+. Plus. Uh, what makes this series so kind of unique to Ed Gein is that they actually found a recording of Ed Gein's voice when he was questioned on the night of his arrest back in 1957. Um, nobody's ever heard his voice before. We've just seen pictures and kind of silent footage. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to hear what he sounds like. But it's just the fact that he sounds exactly like he looks. You know, he doesn't have a big, gruff, deep voice. It's not very high-pitched. It's just very meek, very shy, um, when they ask him questions about, you know, Bernice Warden's body being hung up, he's just very kind of meek about it. He's like, well, you know, I guess I kind of did that. Yeah, it's, uh, gosh, I mean, you know, I was just kind of like a hunter and uh, I hung it up like a deer, you know? I mean, what else are you supposed to do with a deer once you hunt it? Like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, but what about the nipple belts? And he's like, well, you know, it's a hobby. <laughs> so it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, you know, he's just very just kind of nonchalant with his answers about everything that they found. Um, but, yeah, I've watched two episodes already. So if you've always wanted to find out what Ed Gein's voice sounded like and you kind of already had an idea, um, I think you're going to enjoy it. it it's kind of cool. A lot of talking heads on there talking about Ed Gein and who he was. And not so much a serial killer because he only killed two people. But he was a necrophile, and he uh, inspired Norman Bates and Leatherface and Buffalo Bill. You know, so he, he is quite prolific. So if you want to check fuck that out, me. it's on MGM Prime. Oh, fuck the first me. episode. So, fuck me. So in other words, that Gene is on there fucking, you know, strapped up in his fucking thing, tucking his dick and bowels between his legs. No, you you think that he, he would, uh, but he did that when he was in the privacy of his own home when he wore a pair of tits and he walked around the house with it. Because he does get into some detail about that, how he just felt more like a woman than a man. So... He would uh, make uh, big old tit fucking vests, and then he would uh, get Whoa. up at night and walk around and walk around with, uh, you know, the tit vest. And then sometimes he would fashion himself a pair of underwear with the vagina, and he'd put a little bow I on it and walk around his house and play his skin drum. Because he would take skin, and he'd put it over a coffee can, and he would make a drum. And then he would just kind of walk around hitting it and having his own good time, you know, because he just uh, wasn't a, a city guy. So, Yeah. He did a lot of good things. I mean, you know, and he was a babysitter in town, too. So these kids got to go over and see things that they shouldn't have, like, you know, shrunken skulls and, uh, you know, skulls on bedposts and bowls that he had made out of the tops of skulls. And he's like, oh, you know, that's just, uh, you know, stuff I got from my brother who was in the war, you know, and he brought it back from, you know, the Andes. And they're like, well, that's just fucking weird. And he's like, no, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun hobby. Like, you know, and it's like, no, it's not, Ed. Like, it's kind of weird. But he, uh, you know, was an interesting 
guy, you know, just very lonely, very meek, but a killer nonetheless. But yeah, uh, just finding all the uh, painted vaginas uh, in various tins that he left around the house. And they're like, what about the vaginas, Ed? And he's like, well, you know, you know, you take that too. You know, you got to. And, uh, you know, I painted it a little bit silver and I just kept it. <laughs> oh, boy, Ed. Stop talking. <laughs> he never wore it at that time, so couldn't quite help himself. I mean, you know, because they found hearts and pans, and they found uh, Mary Hogan's head in a uh, shopping bag, in a paper shopping bag, and they're like, Ed, say, did you eat any of them? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes, you know, you just, you're kind of curious, you know, and you get a little hungry. All right, that's enough, Ed. We're just going to move on to another question. Thank you, Eddie. Sometimes... <laughs> oh, you know, no, no problem there, Ghoul. It's okay. I, I kind of like talking about this stuff. You know, now I got all the attention on me and such. Do you want to try on my nipple belt? I think it'll fit your waist. <laughs> nipple belt. Ah, my favorite. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing better than going out at night with a nipple belt on. And what's that made out of? Lots of women. <laughs> my little secret. Maybe you can say <laughs> <laughs> you never believe it. Nipples. <laughs> it's the latest fashion in Germany and France. That's what I hear. <laughs> I hear I'm way ahead of the curve. Fashion sense. Does anybody want to feel my pity event? No. <laughs> but it's a, it's a great uh, series. I definitely recommend, especially for the horror crowd and true crime crowd. But uh, do uh, Ghoul or Monkey, do you have anything to talk about before we go over to the Dean with horror news? No, I'm good. Hi. <laughs> All right. Dean, welcome back. You're behind the horror uh, news desk. What are we talking about tonight? All right. There we go. So, first, uh, <laughs> you know, while... Things. This, this <laughs> actors <laughs> guild strike um, mm-hmm. carries on. Uh, I saw last night or the night before that the writers' strike that the, that a tentative agreement had been reached, um, which will put a lot of things back in play on the writing side. Uh, hopefully, that will uh, carry over to the screen actors' guild strike as well, and uh, everything will be uh, back on full steam ahead. Uh, related to that is that, um, you know, uh, M. Night Shyamalan uh, has reached an interim agreement with the Screen Actors Guild uh, to go into on a mysterious project uh, that is called uh, Good Grades. Um, mm. He has a he has another film on the way that's called trap uh that apparently is a psychological thriller that is set at a concert but uh this mysterious good grades nothing else is known about it except for the title uh the the plan they say is for it to um start shooting uh sometime next month in ontario and he has said that this is going to be uh a a new um, concept uh, compared to what he has been trying to do lately. So uh, we have you heard know, that before. Well, of course, <laughs> you know he says these kinds of things all the time. But you know, also I thought it was interesting related to the Screen Actors Guild strike is the the temporary agreement uh, 
uh, the interim agreement that he was able to, to yeah. come up with so he can go into production in Ontario, Ontario uh, next month on this Good Grades project. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. We'll see what happens. So, yeah, one strike's over, but the other strike remains. But hopefully we'll get a lot more new projects coming our way. Then, all right, stay tuned for M Night. I guarantee you there's going to be a twist. Twist. It's got a twist. Yes. <laughs> what a twist. Turns out that they were dead all along. <laughs> so, all right, Dean, what's next? What are you talking about? Uh, so, as we gear up for, you know, the the spooky season as well as the mm-hmm. holiday season we're gonna we're gonna start hearing about all these different uh products that are going to be coming our way over the next couple of months and for no excuse me for your horror libraries your personal horror libraries first uh there is a going to be a new book from an author named dustin mcneil who hmm. will be presenting his exhausting exploration of Rob Zombie's Firefly. Um, He says Hmm. that uh, it's going to dig into all of the aspects of these Rob Zombie films. Uh, There also will be including new interviews with everyone involved, all kinds of behind-the-scenes set photos and more. And again, he's calling this an exhaustive exploration. Uh, it is available at this time. It's 324 pages. Uh, you can acquire the hard copy edition for $45.87 and the paperback edition for twenty four ninety nine uh, wherever you purchase your book. So if you are a big fan of uh, Rob Zombie's Firefly trilogy and you would like to read about how it came to creation, you should check out Dustin McNeil's um, House of Rejects book. Very cool. Sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to have to look into that. All right. That's not a bad price. Mm-hmm. Also, also, you know, I have another item for your horror libraries. Uh, director oh, yeah. uh, oh. Dwight Little, uh, who mm-hmm. has directed, of course, Halloween 4, and he also directed Robert England in a version of the opera. And, it's uh, a great movie. Uh, more underrated films, uh, Marked for Death, as well as a variety of TV series, uh, has written his memoir, which is called Still Rolling Inside a Hollywood Dream Fantasy, where it is said that this is supposed to be a funny and brutally career in Hollywood in general. Uh, this memoir is coming in at 234 pages and will run you a cool 29.95. So if you would like to read all about uh, his life in Hollywood, if that is something that is of interest to you, then uh, that is another entry to add to all of your personal libraries. That's what I need, more books. Adding it to the list. <laughs> You know, it's often, it's often considered uh, the lesser of the, you know, the first few, um, like the first five uh, Steven Seagal films uh, marked for death. But I happen to think mm-hmm. it's fucking awesome. And uh, it's a little different uh, than the others uh, and a little more violent. Um, and I fucking love it. I saw it in the theater. And then also there was a point in time in my bedroom where I had like a fucking face will get you, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had, I had, Dude, Mark I know. is fucking I know. awesome. I know. <laughs> and I had 
I had like a massive ma- – Mark gave it to me. I had a massive Marked for Death poster. Uh, it wasn't like a regular like video store window poster. This shit took up like half my fucking bedroom wall. It was fucking humongous um, like at one point poster. I had up there. Marquee yeah, movie theater. Was, yeah, like the, the, the kind that's in the theater, you know, or in the window of the video store, mm-hmm. you know, like it wasn't a standard poster. It was like eight times the size of a standard poster. You know, I could have wrapped up a body and thrown it over the fucking bridge. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I fucking <laughs> love that movie. Fucking great. I didn't realize that that, 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 that who is, who directed that movie, like, I don't know who directed any of the fucking Steven Seagal movies. All I know is that fucking, those first, that first bunch above the law and hard to kill and mark for death. And Out for Justice and Under Siege were fucking awesome. Uh, I can't speak to, you know, I've seen a few others, but, but, but Marked for Death is fucking great. I know this is yeah, not a Steven Seagal program. No, it's still a good movie, and Dwight H. Little directed it. And we also found out that you could use a movie poster to wrap a dead body in if you want, and throw it off a bridge. That is <laughs> advice that you only of, get here the size from the, of the one, The size of the one I had for Marked for Death you could have, or standard movie poster, you, know, you would not, you would have failed. Mm-hmm. No, if you but find anyway. a body wrapped up in a murder death poster, don't ask any questions. Exactly. <laughs> like, like psychologists or psychiatrists might want to ask you lots of questions. Um, Just keep anyway, walking. Moving on. Moving on. So uh, back upon its release, the Evil Dead video game, I remember at one point uh, the, the ghoul messaged me and was like, dude, check out. You can download the Evil Dead game uh, for free, uh, which I did. And I don't think I, I've ever played it, uh, but I learned uh, already, because that game has not been out for, for so very long, um, mm. that there is going to be no new content added to the game, and that the plans mm. for the game to be available for the Nintendo Switch uh, have been abandoned. Um, mm. So I don't know if that means there, that it's not a success as far as sales or what, but um, no... There will be no new additional content, and if you were a player for Switch and have been waiting for it, then your dreams have been dashed. And that's what it sounds like. Didn't do too well, so they're just cutting off content. Yeah, I never had a chance to play it, but I've seen walkthroughs. But yeah, I mean, because didn't you post something about that monkey the other day about like Evil Dead the video game and a couple other ones? They're like free now. Uh no, I was, no uh. I said this thing about an Evil Dead Magic the Gathering expansion that was going on where they were oh. going around and created special editions for um, Magic the Gathering and it, one of the editions was the Evil Dead and then another one was the Princess Bride and s- some other horror-related ones as well. That's that's what I had sent. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Thought it was had something to do with the Evil Dead in the video game, but all right, Dean. Moving on, what else are we talking about? Uh, you know, when the the movie Smile uh, was released, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was a it was a surprise hit with uh, you know, an interesting interesting marketing concept, and uh, it took in two hundred and seventeen million dollars in the global box office on a meager seventeen million dollar budget. So naturally, uh, the powers that be want more <laughs> and. Even though nothing is able to happen just yet, Smile 2 has already been given a release date for October 18th, 2024. Uh, so um, you can stay tuned uh, for news about that. And as the strikes come to an end, I'm sure more will come. Uh, but they have already 
given its release date. They wanted it to secure the release date to have it ready for the next Halloween season next year. And um, again, uh, big, big hit. Uh, smile. $200 million. Yeah, profit. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought it was a good movie. I mean, you know, I mean, I was surprised by how much money it made because it was, I didn't think it was the greatest of horror movies. But I mean, you know, you can call it Smile 2 if you want, but like, Smile Again. Part three, one more smile. I mean, come on, guys. I could so, write this so shit for you. Let like, me, I could cross so, picket so lines. Remember, King, uh, just because that's what they're saying now, that does, it's, it's not necessarily going to end up being called Smile 2. Uh, but that's I what hope it's not. being that's, referred that's to um, at this time. And, um, but, I mean, <clears> you know, when you to, say, so quick, you when you much, say King, that But, I mean, you, it's not like Happy Death Day to you was all kinds of creative in its, its naming. You know, I mean, it's, I didn't say I love that title. I thought that was pretty lame too. It's just how successful movies go. You just call part two, part two. I don't think everything needs to have a fancy fucking name, you know? <laughs> exactly. You know, like, oh, live free or die hard. Let's, like, get fucking real ridiculous, you know? It's a good day to die hard. It's a good day you know? to die hard. Die hard, oh, die soft. Gotcha. We can keep going and going <laughs> yeah. and going. Yeah, well, you know, because it, um, it sells itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> smile more. So, smile more. There you go. No more smiles. Part three. Um, <laughs> smile four. Resting bitch face. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty really cool. I like that that's one. Yeah. <laughs> RBS. Not Smile part four. RBS. That's one of the that's one of the side projects, you know, the spin off. <laughs> that's what I said. It's going to be the prequel of the TV series. Smile, resting bitch face. It, it sells itself. But just like yeah. um, just like um, the Dean so talked about not that long ago, would, would talk to me, like talk to me, like weak. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I just want to say, you said you were surprised at its success, but I I should have you know that that was one of the ones that was like incredibly popular uh, amongst like the the early to mid teenage set big time. Uh, oh, oh yeah, it was, it was all the rage. It was all the rage with with the younger audience. Yep, no, I was well, that, the old that, man well, in the theater. <laughs> well, that guerrilla campaign that they pulled off was fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh. Hundred uh, percent. You know, having having them at the baseball game and shit like that—that's the way to do it. And I think that that helped a lot with uh, getting its popularity. But like the dean said, it, it was PG thirteen, so you're going to get a lot of those teens and tweens, and then shady looking fat people like me who just sit in the back going, "All right, let's scare me." You guys scared? <laughs> and you're just like, "Why are you sitting back there?" I don't know. I just like the shade. Because I like the popcorn. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Nun 2 just recently came out and a whole bunch of my 7th and 8th graders were going to be like None getting harder. together uh, after school <laughs> on harder. the Friday of its release to like go see it and they were like mm-hmm. oh cause we're, all, we're all first names at my school they were like Dave, Dave come with us to see The Nun 2 come with us to see The Nun 2 and uh, I was like I was like you all know you're just asking me so you have an adult to get you in the door um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, no, right. I was like awesome. look, 
yeah, it's like, look, uh, you know, I'm not saying like I, I'm not saying that I that I wouldn't go to the movies with you all in a whole group, but I'm sorry, that's just not happening for the nun here. <laughs> I would have done it. I'm that's what you should have taken to go see Christine. Here. <laughs> there you go. You guys could see Christine with me. Who's that? Well, that the actually, car. like it, theoretically, like that that really wouldn't have worked. That would like. You know, they were talking about like going to the theater right like down the street from my school and just walking there. Like where I had to go to Christine was like forty five minutes away. I'm not bringing a whole bunch of my fucking students in my in my car. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Road trip. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about. Um, yes, it is because you could have brought the, you could have brought a school bus, speaking. man. You're the dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have a school bus. Man. Everybody. Is. <laughs> I could have brought my white van. I could have brought my white van. That would have been that would have been perfect. Oh, that and would have been yeah. That would have been questionable so, at all. You know, stranger <laughs> the team walking out of a mysterious white van with a whole bunch of kids in my, in my white in my white van. <laughs> Not a single window on that thing. Solid white on back. It's got free candy spray painted on the side of it. <laughs> <laughs> this says not a rape van on the side. I believe that. Sorry, Dean. Uh, <laughs> oh no, no apologies necessary. Yeah. Just like Nirvana said. <laughs> As we move on, uh, yeah. No apologies. Is it no apologies or all apologies? I don't yeah, know. It was all apologies. I don't know. I was not. I was not <laughs> the biggest Nirvana fan. So um, me either. I, I wasn't. <laughs> no. So in. So there's smile too, and then in the world of of sequels, I did not realize, I truly did not, that the Meg Two, uh, mm-hmm. I did not realize uh, was such a big hit, taking in four hundred million dollars at the global box office. Uh, I did not unaware. Like I, yeah, I <laughs> I was unaware. I had no idea. I was kind of surprised to see that news. Uh, but it, if you had not yet had a chance to see it, just this week on Friday, the twenty ninth. Uh, Meg 2 will be hitting the Max uh, streaming service, formerly known as HBO Max, formerly known as HBO Go. Uh, so <laughs> if you've been waiting for the chance to see it, you can have your time on Friday. But it sounds like a lot of people went out and saw it in the theater with its $400 million take. I know I did. Uh, yeah, I know I did. <laughs> we're suckers, but we still saw it. I, didn't, I didn't hate it. Was, it. It. was it terrible? I didn't love it. Uh, I didn't hate it. Egg two, the trench. Yeah. Sorry, three hundred and ninety-three million to be exact. Thank That's you. A lot of dough. Thank you for your but accuracy. Only, but actually, you're gonna get a make three. It was just under. Um, it was actually just under eighty million domestic. So it was a big time global uh, viewership for for that one to boost those numbers. It did not actually do fantastic here in, in the states. Hmm. Bunch of snobs in the states apparently. They want to see a giant shark movie. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun, it's fun. Only if it's Sharknado, baby. <laughs> no, because that's fun all around. With the Meg, they make you earn that. They get into that third act goodness. You're like, all right, here we go, and they fucking let it go. You got to get to the third act. You got to build up the story a little bit. There's actual acting <laughs> when Meg, Jason Statham going, all right, the entire fucking time. Oh, he kicks the fucking right. shark in the face. <laughs> Kick you in the face, shark. 
Yeah, he kicked that fucking I thing like Russell Crowe fucking hitting somebody at a bar. Come on, I guess we're going to kick a shark in the face. Let's go. <laughs> Time to do All right, Gene, what we're on. going to do when we're going to do it. Now. <laughs> Thank you, Michael Caine. <laughs> You know, you yes. got to get the high and the low with Michael Caine. I do, and Michael Caine, every other person with an accent at any given time. Give me a minute, I'll have something Russian going for you, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Michael, Putin, well, Michael, Michael Caine, you got to remember, you always take the stairs of Michael Caine. You're always done high and work your eye low. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of, yeah, you do gotta, yeah, got to go up and then low. Yeah. I bought me a yes. house yeah. with Jaws Fall. <laughs> Master Way. <laughs> That's Michael Caine. He bought a fucking house with Jaws Four. I mean, good for him. And all he had no, to do he bought his mom. No, he bought his. Oh, no, he bought his mama house with the Jaws Four money. <laughs> no, no, he said he bought him a house. I didn't realize he bought it for his mom. What a waste of money. She has her money, Michael. You need your money. Oh. You know, buy yourself a house. You know, he needed another one. <laughs> I don't know if he's an Oscar winner, but hey. All right, Dean, what's next? What are you talking about? Uh, So the Maxine, uh, the Pearl X sequel uh, Mm -hmm. doesn't have a release release date yet, but apparently the production wrapped in May. Uh, It's being called a whodunit slasher. Uh, Mia Goth is returning once again, uh, saying, uh, saying that mm-hmm. this script <laughs> Mia is Goth the best it. in the series. <laughs> yep, mm-hmm. Mia, Goth, uh, Mia Goth says that the script is the best in the series, and that uh, this this film is going to be, uh, you know, about uh, the inside of the industry as well as to explore the boom of the VHS era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm a, I'm a fan of them, but, you know, 1985, Slasher, who done it. Uh, we might see the Night Stalker. That's, that's my guess. I don't know, you know, but I kept thinking about it, and I was like, well, 80s L.A., yeah, it's a Slasher. It's got to be a little Richie Ramirez you know, I'm the Night Stalker. I don't know if he did that when he was killing people. <laughs> like I think that he did. <laughs> you know, but I, don't know. I just, I think that's probably what, I think that's probably what it's going to be about. I mean, and obviously like the, the Dean had said, you know, the porn industry, you know, but in the eighties, that was kind of a weird time for porn. Cause that was back, you know, we're getting on VHS everybody. And, and let's, you know, break out the video cameras. Everybody can make porn now. You know, you got to go back to the 70s. That, that was the golden era. You know, that was, we're making movies, Jack. You know, that fucking boogie night shit. Fucking can't get enough of it. <laughs> that was the, the golden era form. Uh, <laughs> real film, so, Jack. So some of that did make it over to the 80s. Don't get me wrong. The problem with the 80s was that, yeah, you just, the, the 90s is where you really started getting what you were talking about with the porn thing. You know what I mean? Where you started getting mm-hmm. into those gonzo yeah. type of scenes where it's just like, hey, mm-hmm. guy walks into room, girl walks into room, let's fuck. You know what I mean? And, and, and unconnected scenes and so forth. Um, the 80s. Mm-hmm. The 80s started doing what the rest of the movie industry started doing. It was sequelitis. Every single oh, fucking yeah. porn movie ended up having, like, 
fucking eight sequels, you know? So that that's the, why now you see series like, you know, Come On My Mom's Face, 72, and, and shit like that. that was good. <laughs> I like 72. You know, like, I, know, I, know, I know we've all seen it, you know? See, so yeah, look, even the point is yeah. is bad with that kind of stuff. See, you hate sequel names? Mm-hmm. Well, how about that? But um, no, we saw that again. Like, we've always brought up Taboo on here, you know? There's like fucking, what, like seven Taboo? I think there's like six of them from like the 80s. But there was Taboo. Then there was yep. like American Taboo, which was like an entirely different oh, yeah. series with like with different actors and all that shit. So like if you wanted to see Kay Parker, you needed to find Taboo. I don't even know who was in the other ones. There's like four Bad Girls movies. I love the original oh, Bad Mary Girls. Kay I Parker. had no yeah. idea there were so many mm-hmm. sequels. But like all the sequels are terrible. The original one is fucking hot as hell. You know, it's all fucked up with Ron Jeremy and everything. Um but but yeah, you know, so so I, I, I get what you're saying. By the late eighties, early nineties, this is when we started seeing that major change where there was no longer a storyline and it was just like, Hey Hi. Yeah, people were kinda of getting bored of it. People were just getting bored of, of movie porn, you know, where there was like a plot and actors and scenes. You know, they just wanted to get the quick hits like we have nowadays. You go on xvideos.com and watch a five-minute video of a stepmother getting railed in a fucking machine, you know, and then you're done. You're out. Then you can just go enjoy the rest of your day with your family and go to church, you know. But before that, you know. This is why why I still, as a sucker, I still pay for for fucking porn sites, you know what I mean? Because I like a full feed. I like to be able to scroll through it. I I don't like to find – I might not use the full hour. Okay, so I might not watch the full hour, right? But I'm definitely going to, like, wind my way – I'm going to wind my way through it slowly to really enjoy and lengthen the experience. Because you know what? I want every little iota of that scene. I don't want just like the quick hits. I want to get like the parts where, you know, she's like, oh, oh my God, my, my stepson's cock is in my ass and stuff like that. Because I know, you, you, get that, you get that kind of fucking dialogue and, it's, and, and it finishes you <laughs> off right there. <laughs> well, it depends on what you're watching, too, because that, that's why I have to fast forward through some of that shit, because some of it, it just gets obnoxious after a while. Oh, yes, stepson. Oh, yes. Rail me. Stepmom. You feel so good. Oh, my God. Stepmom. And it's like, all right, all right. Can you think of something else? Can you just fucking talk a little dirtier about something else? Be like, hey, nice tits, stepmom, or something like that. No, it's just you got to fast forward because that'll <laughs> mute it for a little bit. And then just get to that part where you're like near right the very end, and it's like, okay, we're good. We're almost out of here. 25 minutes later. You know, that's why I can't do them. I just, I need the, the scenarios. Because xvideos.com, they have like the 10-minute videos where you get the beginning, you get the middle, and then you get the fucking end. You don't have to watch the entire thing. You just saved yourself like 25 minutes, and you've got everything in there. So, you know, God bless these free porn sites. I don't know what I would do if I had to pay. Just fucking cry. I, I don't mind it, man. Nine ninety five a month, and I get all kinds of fun. Uh, oh, I, I know. Me, I know. Me and Monkey have the same thing that we both fucking hate, man. Which is the whole kawaii face thing. Like, yeah, you know, these, these chicks trying to make it look oh, like, like anime girls while they're getting banged, and it's kind of like, man, put your fucking tongue, put your tongue back in your mouth and stop crossing your eyes. You look like a moron. No, luckily I've never yeah. seen that. I think if I did, I, I just would. You know, I have to shut my laptop down and think about my life choices for a while if I ever saw that. So I'm glad I've managed yeah. to avoid uh, the Kawhi face because I've heard of it, never seen it, thank God. You know, no, I just stick to my stepmoms and mom slops and taboo families. You know, they're fine. They don't do any of that stuff. They're, they're just having a good time over there. It's like, it's uh, yeah, on the holidays, even, I, it's Scarily enough, I've even seen some of these fucking, like, really? these moves trying to pull it off, too, now. And it's like, 
the hell? Yep. You're not like nope. some fucking like teeny tiny um, teeny bopper. Like that, that that's like you know that that should be reserved for like you know the girl that's trying to pretend she's a furry, you know, or some shit like that. Mm. You know, like like I. I like even like Kenzie Reeves, right? Like so, like I, like for whatever reason, man, I don't know what exactly it is, but there's just something about Kenzie Reeves that I like really, really dig, uh, and, and and like every once in a blue moon, she'll pull it off too. But like I don't mind it with her because it kind of she the way she does it doesn't look like she's trying to be that. It just looks like it naturally natural. happens every now and again. You got to get, I mean, that's fine. But um, that being said, Dean, uh, moving on from Maxine, what else are we talking about? It's a very good question. And while. I like to ask the big question. You know, filming wrapped uh, two years ago. I mean, it's amazing. It's it's, it's quite some time. Hmm. Uh, And there's still no wide release uh, announced. Uh, The. Upcoming Malcolm Blair remake of the Toxic Avenger had its premiere screening at Fanta- excuse me Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas, the other day. The other day, mm-hmm. and the first reactions uh, coming out of those who were able to see the film, uh, just some of the adjectives I saw include funny, gory, insane, heartwarming, um, a trauma film, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So. Uh, Hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to get to see this one sometime soon. Uh, I'm glad to hear that it did have a screening. I'm glad to hear that the buzz is positive. Um, but being that it was finished two years ago and it has, uh, you know, pretty pretty well known uh, name cast, I'm surprised uh, we haven't had the opportunity to check this one out yet. At least the trailer or something. Wow. Yeah, I can't believe it's been two. Yeah, years. no trailer either. No trailer either. Yeah, nothing. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, I, I, you know, I put up on the Talking Terror page, there's been stills of uh, Elijah Wood and Kevin Bacon and uh, uh, Peter Dinklage as a character. Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Yes, as uh, Vincent Goose, you know, the toxic Dinklage. Avenger himself in the movie. So, well, yeah, I, I hope that there's a trailer soon. But with it premiering at the, uh, the festival, I'm sure it means there'll be a, a trailer soon. Elijah looking Boy, like Tim Burton's Penguin. <laughs> yeah. No, that. <laughs> Needs to be eating a fish. Ma'am, I'm not Oswald. I'm the penguin. Yeah, I fucking love that movie. <laughs> a great way to terrify in, yeah. the penguin. Yep. You go from Burgess Meredith to that. that fucking leap. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> uh, but okay. I hope to be this penguin, man. That motherfucker was all kinds of fucked up. This is the best part of the fucking movie. <laughs> when all the fucking mm-hmm. penguins have to fucking lower his fat fucking body in the water and let it fucking float away. I was like, oh, <laughs> lost his head. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I would have dug Michelle Pfeiffer more as Catwoman if only, and if only, they put in a litter box scene. Ah. <laughs> There's probably a deleted scene somewhere. Tim Burton's probably got it locked up somewhere. There's a, a litter box scene. He's just like, oh. I'll release it for like the 50th anniversary. Be on the the Blu-ray <laughs> Ultra Cut. You know, Michelle Pfeiffer sitting around in a litter box, you know, just licking her claws and shit. I mean, he, I'm sure he has it. You know, there's the, I guarantee you he probably does. He's a fucking weird guy, so you know he probably did something like that. Or like the penguin <laughs> her sitting in the litter box talking about evil plans or some shit. I don't know. But 
All right. Then moving on from Toxie, what else are we talking about? Uh, I will tell you what else we are talking about. Um, Saw Please, Dean, tell us what we're talking about. You will. Um, Saw X. So, uh, Saw X. Socks. Uh, is being, I don't like the socks. Is being I'm called. A is being called a return to form uh, for for the franchise (laughs) (laughs) and with with much screen time uh, with much screen time going to uh, actress Shawnee Smith's character of Amanda but saw X being uh, called a return to form uh, for this long wow our franchise, <laughs> but y'all might like to to know about that if you hadn't yet heard of it. Wow, I love that return to form. I mean, they already said it takes place between one and two, and it's like, yeah, because there's no more fucking story left. Jigsaw died in three, and we're already at ten. <laughs> I love. I just, you know, we're going there to see people die. We're not going there for the fucking plot. Like, oh, he went to Mexico, and they ripped him open, and they're like, didn't do anything for his cancer. Now he's fucking mad. <laughs> that's the whole fucking plot. Like, that's it. All right, now kill people. <laughs> you opened me up and didn't do anything. Time to play a game. You know? Damn it. Because you know it's going to fucking make money. It's going to make a fucking ton of money, and there's going to be a Saw 11 and then Saw 12, and, you know, it's just, it's it's always going to fucking keep on going. You know, I don't know how much time Tobin Bell himself has left, but I'm sure he's got a couple good years left where he can play that character. I mean, he put on a backwards hat so he could play himself like 20 years younger in one of the movies. So anything's possible. Well, like Fred Durst? Yeah. Oh, I'll just send you that screen. There's a screenshot. I think it was from uh, part four where there was a flashback of him when he's much younger, and he put on a fucking backwards hat, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is 10 years ago. <laughs> Clearly, it's not <laughs> the exact thing. It all for the movie. He looked like Steve Buscemi in that fucking, you know, <laughs> he looked like Steve Buscemi in that fucking movie. He was like, "Hello, teenage kids," and he's got the fucking skateboard hanging off his fucking neck. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it was fucking dumb. It's Saw. You're not going there for story and plot. You're going there for death. But all right, moving on from Saw. What else are we talking about, Dean? So it seems that one of the trends that's going on in the realm of horror these days is taking, uh, and, and there's been different takes on this kind of stuff over the years, but I feel like recently, especially from some of the uh, lower budget uh, production houses, um, you know, taking uh, children's stories and turning them into, into horror movies, hence the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Winnie the Pooh, the Winnie the Pooh uh, blood and honey mm-hmm. thing. And in 21, 21 or 2022, there was like a Humpty Dumpty thing. Um, but I have now learned that uh, there is going to be a new film uh, coming uh, that is called Goldilocks uh, and the Three Bears, Death and Porridge. And in, in, in Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Death and Porridge, uh, it's, it's said that the first 45 minutes are going to play out like a standard psychological thriller in the vein of uh, the Strangers or the original Purge, uh, but then the second half of the film, uh, according to writer-director Craig Reese, is going to devolve into an extremely violent uh, display of carnage that will feature head-crushing and eyeball damage. Uh, there is no release date at this time, 
but if you have been a fan of these uh, children's stories being turned into horror films, uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, Death and Porridge, uh, should be one you're on the lookout for. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, you are right. I mean, there's that one, and there's another one, uh, Three Blind Mice. I know that's getting a horror release soon. Um, you know, and uh, uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb, that's also getting one. Uh, I saw the poster for it where its fleece was red as blood. And I was like, wow, we are just fucking going for it now. I kind of like it, you know, because <laughs> you don't have to do a lot of work with these fucking movies. Like the, uh, you know, the Three Bears and, and Goldilocks. It's like, well, the Simpsons already did it. Goldilocks goes into the house and the bears come home and they're like, fucking God damn it, and they fucking tear it apart. <laughs> just like South Park. <laughs> so, yeah, I just, I have a lot of fun with these fucking movies. It's just, it's, it's just low level. Like, we have no more ideas. Let's just fucking go to nursery rhymes and let's just see what works out. But, you know, stay tuned for that. Plus, it's also. Plus, the entire time, it's just fun to watch all of the parents, you know, uptight parents getting so upset, you know, about people t- tapping into these veins and all that kind of stuff. And, oh, leave the classic tales alone, dude. And it's like, oh, okay. Did you read the original Shut tales? Up. Because they <laughs> because they weren't real yeah. friendly to kids. <laughs> oh, yeah, the original Grimm oh, fairy oh, tales were not exactly We bad. can make porn <laughs> versions of things like the Avengers and X-Men. We can definitely make horror movie versions of fucking, you know, this kind of shit. Fairy tales. That's oh, a great argument. Man, this, <laughs> That's a great argument for PTA. Guys, guys, <laughs> look, there's porn <laughs> versions out there now of the Avengers. We could definitely fucking make Goldilocks get killed by the three bears, all right? Argument done. Close the book. Wow, that guy made a strong <laughs> argument. I believe him, and I don't even care anymore. <laughs> Did he just compare porn to fucking killer fucking bears and Goldilocks? Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the greatest fucking argument ever. Guys, there's porn fucking parodies out there. A lot more things to fucking watch than fucking, you know, fairy tales that are deadly for our kids. <laughs> uh, I love you, cool. That <laughs> uh, makes okay. me happy. But, Thank right. you much. It's just a, I try. I just would love to get that PTA mini. But yeah, he's fucking right. I saw She-Hulk get fucked by Thor. It was the best fucking ten minutes of my life. Let them fucking kill Goldilocks. No, 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 dude. Wasn't She-Hulk played by China, bro? Like, I'm totally good. Yes, it was. No, yeah. no, no, no. Black, she banged Thor. Black Widow Spider-Man. Black, Black Widow Spider-Man. Man, I'm good with that. That was that was a good scene. Wasn't bad. But, all right. Uh, D, moving I think on. That what was Penny, talking Penny about? Pax. Was Penny Pax Black Widow? If yes, I it was right? Penny Pax. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that so, little whore. She doesn't like it. <laughs> well, I know I am. No, you talk about her. Yes, dude. The best of the fucking little girl trapped in Mexico. That's one of my favorite gang videos. No. Little American girl trapped in, in Mexico. I think that's exactly what the name is. Every parent's fear. But, uh, Dean, moving on. What else are we talking about tonight? It wouldn't be talking terror if there wasn't something to talk about involving the the universe of Haddonfield. And sure. it was reported it was reported earlier this week that hmm. uh both uh rights to 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 Halloween uh hmm. to be a movie or T V show were 
up being placed up, uh, you know, for for bid. Uh, you mm. know, that story was not accurate, so I have some additional information to share. One, when Halloween ends, which it's it, it hasn't even been a year since Halloween ends, played mm-hmm. out on our screens. Mm-hmm. The the rights to Halloween it's been less than a year. Uh, left, wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so October, October something. Uh, October sixteenth. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, uh, for better or for worse. Um, so the rights to Halloween after Halloween ends wrapped up uh, reverted from Universal slash Blumhouse uh, back to Miramax. And it was, it was reported uh, <laughs> that Miramax had Halloween uh, for both movie and TV show concepts up, uh, you know, up for bid. But that's not exactly true. Uh, what I did learn <laughs> is that Miramax only owns the rights to Halloween as far as films go, and that uh, Malik Akkad's Trankus International Films is the sole owner of anything involving TV rights to Halloween. So what I've learned is that Malik Akkad's Trankus International Films has put the television rights for Halloween uh, up for bid, and apparently right now there is a bidding war going on between Miramax and A24 for the rights to turn Halloween into some kind of television show. Uh, you know, no, of course, there's no other details about what that means uh, or what concepts or ideas or if it's just a matter of wanting to secure and have the rights just in case. Uh, but apparently that is what is actually going on. So the, it's the TV show rights that are up for bid right now. Um, and, that, and that, you know, as this news came over the, the last few days, uh, it seems that now the facts have been straightened out as as to what I was reading and understanding. So, uh, you know, as we have talked about on this show, uh, there is the big uh, Crystal Lake TV series that is uh, in the works from Brian Fuller for Peacock. Um, so I don't know if the Merrimack slash A24 people have been following that saga and have their own ideas for Halloween or what or if Malik Akkad is just trying to make a buck and sell off because he doesn't care. I have no idea. But what I do know is that the potential for a Halloween uh, television show, uh, you know, is out there and that there is serious bidding going on for the rights. No. Can't we just cue Wilmes from the end of part four when he's just screaming no as a ginger no. Like, you know, it's just, wow. oh, God damn it. Like, we knew this was going to happen. We knew after Halloween ends that Michael was never going to rest in peace. Michael Myers is always going to be around. But we were conservative, and we were like, oh, like five years from now? Definitely. Then you find out that there's a fucking bidding war for a fucking TV series. Like, guys, Halloween ends just came out less than a year ago. Can we just fucking calm down with going back to Haddonfield so quick? Like, you just... You know, please stop. Like, just let fucking Halloween ends kind of still gesticulate. You know, people can oh. kind of forget about it. You know? Yes, Steve. Let's, rem- let's, let's remember, King, like, just because the, I, I, hear, I, I hear and agree with all of your points completely. I'm not trying to be contrarian. Like, I totally agree with you. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But I also think that, 
like just by securing the rights, especially you know with the Screen Actors Guild strike going on, that doesn't mean that we're going to be seeing anything on our screens anytime soon. It could oh, be totally. a few years until anything comes to comes to pass, depending on what kind of length of rights deal is signed. I hear what you're saying, like let this one kind of fester away for a while if you're gonna if you're gonna go back to that well. I feel they make that same mistake. I feel they make that mistake so much, and 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 you all know this realm much better than I do, but I feel like they make that mistake in the fucking superhero universe all the time, especially with fucking Spider-Man um, and, and all of those <laughs> how They keep bringing it back and bringing it back and bringing it back. Like, let it fucking, let it, let it, let it, let it go away for a little bit. And I know obviously Spider-Man is like a global fucking phenomenon. It's not, it's not Halloween. I mean, it, Halloween is no Spider-Man is what I'm saying. But yeah. like, yeah. yeah, like, like this People, I do, I feel that people are still going to be, like, talking about and debating this modern Halloween trilogy for, for quite some time. I don't think it's going anywhere. I don't think it's just, you know, relegated to the dustbin. Um, I think it's going to provide a lot of fodder and commentary and conversations and writing and et cetera. Um, but mm. I, I, I think to run into Chin on something else, I think, I think some time needs to pass. Oh, yeah, 100%. and plus, you know, with the strike still going on, I mean, I know the writer's strike end of things is kind of uh, completed, but, you know, the actors are still are striking, and you know, there's a whole lot of things that go into consideration with that. Um, like, even the Crystal Lake series, like, that we've been talking about, like, Dean, you've brought that up numerous times. I mean, it's not like it's written and ready to go, you know? I mean, it's just, it's still very much in development, but I kind of agree with you when, you know, it, it could be Mal Kakad wanting to make fucking a lot more money. Because Michael makes money, and that's what he likes is cash. Who doesn't? So, you know, if they're going to be Crystal Lake on Peacock, then let's fucking get (laughs) Michael out there. I mean, you know, did you guys like the David Gordon Green movies? You didn't. Well, what if we go back to fucking basics, and let's just fucking make a Halloween TV series, you know, where it's Loomis and Michael in Smith's Grove. Yeah? You guys like that? Donald Pleasant is dead. We can't get him, but... Look at somebody. Not to sound like an asshole, right? But we all watched Rob Zombie's Halloween, and I think we've gone on record multiple times as saying the beginning of that movie, that first hour and change, is fucking phenomenal. You know? So if they can tap into something similar to that, then yeah, I might not be entirely against it. Look, nothing's ever going to compete to the original film, and we know this. It's never no. going to fucking go. Yep. So, you know, going back and maybe trying to do something slightly different might not be the worst idea. I would prefer if you're going to use the name, then go back to what Carpenter originally wanted to do and just do an anthology television series. God knows, we don't have enough of those out there right now, but considering Amazon Prime has been doing the creep show thing, um, or Shudder, whoever, whoever was doing it. Was it Shudder? I think Shudder did the creep show. Yeah. Uh, Shudder? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah. so, you know, they, yeah. they've got the creep show series, so we know that's back up and running. I mean, I don't know. Again, like you said, we know that Michael Myers is never going to go away. There's never going to be a point where they're not nope. going to be doing this, you know, because he makes money. People go see it. And you know what? Suckers like us are going to go watch it every fucking time. You know damn well yeah. if they put that series on that you'll be tuning the fuck in, man. No, yeah. You say you won't, but you yeah, will. Even just to, like, criticize and complain, but there's no way no one's the fans of the fucking universe are not, are not tuning in. Yeah. No, I would never say I'm not going to watch it. I would never sit there with my arms folded and go, nope, not this guy. I fucking watched yeah. the Rob Zombie movies, both of them, in the theater. I said, yeah, okay. Yeah. I fucking walked out yeah, being like, that it. was a piece of shit. But I fucking <laughs> saw them. <laughs> you know, I didn't say no. I don't say no to anything Michael Myers related. 
They could be like, oh, it's mm-hmm. going to be an hour-long series, but fucking... It could be the fucking Corey Cunningham prequel series that we've always asked for. If you put Michael somewhere in there, I'm there. I don't care. I'll deal with it. <laughs> I will deal with fucking Corey Cunningham and his fucking weird story. Mm-hmm. If you put... Like, they could fucking superimpose him into fucking Halloween Kills, and you could just fucking have Corey standing back there going, oh, hey, guys, what are we all talking about? Evil dies tonight, huh? Wow. It's like Michael Myers did something or some shit. Like, you'd fucking do that, and I'd be like, all right, I'm okay. I'm still in this, guys, because Michael's going to show up at a certain point. Not the Halloween ends, Michael, because <laughs> that guy shouldn't exist. But no, the other Michael Myers, I'm all about that guy. Not the one with the Abraham Lincoln beard. That Lori beat to death. <laughs> like the botanical oh, man that he was. <laughs> Michael, Michael. I love you. Here, eat some Activia. Make you feel better, Michael. No, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Made him feel good. But... All right, Dean. What else are we talking about? Uh, that was the final piece of information I had in my notes. But since we were just talking about Halloween and Halloween kills and Halloween ends, I did just recently see mm-hmm. that if you are so inclined, uh, coming this October 17th, uh, there is going to be a Halloween, the official making of Halloween, Halloween kills and Halloween ends book uh, by Abby Bernstein oh. with a hardcover price of $50. So uh, if you would like to uh, read... This book, 248, <laughs> it's available for pre-order anywhere you order your books online. 50 bucks. Give me a soft cover, I might buy it for 50 bucks. I mean, well, I mean, hardcover, probably going to be pretty lengthy, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense, 50 bucks. I mean, the, uh, the Halloween novelization that I pre-ordered is 50 bucks. And that's like only like 200 pages. But it's a hardcover, it's got illustration, so... We talked about that last week, Dean, when you weren't here. That they oh, are did, oh, did you order a copy? Oh, you ordered that one? Yep. Mm-hmm. Pre-order comes out in January. Yeah. Which is way better than the fucking $300 and up for the original copy. <laughs> no, that's not for the original copy. The 300 is for the signed copy with extra il- uh, illustrations. That's it. No, for fifty oh, no, bucks. No, no, I, 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 I was talking about if you were trying to grab an original, original copy uh, of that one. Like I looked it up, and yeah, it's like price is three hundred dollars and up. Oh, for the original Curtis Richards uh, novel. Yeah, the, I thought that. Yeah, that's like pretty light. If you found it for three hundred bucks, I would say buy that because yeah, I mean a good copy will be like well over a thousand dollars. You're for, talking about um, the original Halloween novelization? Is that what we're talking about? That's yeah. What, that's what Monkey's saying. For a <laughs> what good is, what copy, is he saying? You're, you're talking. Well, he found it for 300 which I think is fucking reasonable compared to, like, what other people are charging for that, you know, which is, like, well over $1,000. And, you know, 300 I'd I'd pay for it. I had a copy, like, years ago when I was in high school that my parents found, like, for almost 200 on eBay. I wish I knew what happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember, yeah, but, I remember yeah. you talking about that, that you had a copy at some point. I, right now, mm-hmm. am seeing a mass market. Let me, let, me get the, let me get the facts here. I am seeing copies, and this is the original uh, Curtis Richards uh, paperback. Uh, I am seeing mm-hmm. this in what's being called acceptable condition for $199.69. Uh, I am Nothing. seeing – I have – I'm looking – yeah, acceptable two hundred and three dollars. I'm 
seeing a very good copy for 267.66, a good copy for 521.70, very good 599, acceptable 742, acceptable 773. Um, so it varies, but you know you can get probably yeah. like a, a pretty shitty and, copy but, for 200 but, bucks. But it, but it also depends on what cover you go for, because if you have the uh, movie theater cover, then that's the cheaper version. But then if you go for the ghost cover with the pumpkin head, like we were talking about mm-hmm. last week, that's the more that's the more expensive version. Well, yeah, because that's the original cover. That's the one you want to go I'm for. I'm seeing yeah. The, yeah. The, the ghost, like the pumpkin, like the jack-o'-lantern that looks like it has like uh, like sauce coming out of it, like like something. Like sauce? No, not sauce. No, not that. Like like spew. That's like like it's, it looks like. Are we talking? No, like a, it's like a it's like a plastic like trick or treating jack o' lantern that looks like it has like ooze coming out of the top of it. No, no, he's no. talking about the uh, the, no, that's the not... sheet with the jack o' lantern on top holding a knife. <clears throat> yeah, there's like a okay, guy in right, sheet. I, I he's got a jack o' lantern. I see. What, I see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that that's the original cover. And th- that's the more pricey God. one. Yeah, I've seen yeah. a good condition one of those with the photo of the the ghost with the pumpkin head. I'm seeing for two forty seven fifty, uh, and another one for two sixty six forty five. There you go. Yeah, because I've, I've seen them go for uh, over a thousand. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, no, you no, know this is. This is this is wrong. I'm, don't uh, I am wrong. Uh, so I the picture that's with this advertisement that I'm looking at right now is is a stock image and the description says it's the black cover with illustration of knife and pumpkin. So that's the standard uh, yeah. what we would think of as like yeah. the Halloween um, cover. So yeah, movie I'm seeing poster. copies of that for the mid. Yeah, I'm seeing copies of that in the mid in the mid to high two hundreds. Um, I see one with the I see one in good condition with the um with the ghost cover for two eighty four. Um you know, with, with actual photo of the actual copy. Um I see that for two eighty four right now. Okay. That's reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I, I would spend that. I mean, I'm getting the reissue. Which is in hardcover for fifty, which isn't bad, and plus it comes with brand new illustrations. Did you say there's a there's a there's a re, there's a reprint coming? Yes, next year. Oh, all right, sweet. I had no idea. I'll be looking forward to that. I don't need I don't need a yeah, finished uh, copy of that. I just, want, I just want a copy in general. No, it's it's on a website called Printed in Blood. Um, they have a hardcover. With the original uh, ghost with the pumpkin head and knife, and it's going for like fifty bucks. So it'll be released in January of next year. So that's when you'll get it. But yeah, you can do it now. So I definitely wanted to sign up for that because I was like, "Well, cool, get the reprint." You know, it's hardcover; it'll last a little longer. Oh, yeah. You know, because I was not going to be doing the show, I was not paying such close attention. To horror news last week, and it says, yeah, one week to, on September 19th, 2023. I'm seeing an announcement for it right now. Looking forward to uh, yeah. getting a copy of that next year. I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, it's going to be good. But, all right, so that being said, uh, Monkey, it is your film pick of the week, The Frighteners from 1996, directed by Peter Jackson. Why don't you hit us with a synopsis and uh, what you thought about it, and let's kick this discussion off. 
All right. This is the story of Frank Bannister, a young man who has the ability to see and communicate with the dead. Together with his traveling troop of ghosts, he runs a con as a psychic who can exercise ghosts from the homes of the living. But things go wrong when an evil wraith-like form invades his town and goes on a killing spree. Will Frank and his ghastly ghost troop be able to defeat the evil forces that are trying to take over the town? Find out as we discuss the Frighteners. All right, so this was my first time viewing this ever. Uh, This has, like, been on my watch list for a while. It's, like, just one of those movies that just slipped through the cracks of time. But finally being able to give this movie a watch. Like, I had fun with it. The film was really cute, and it really had the feeling of, like, those odd 90s family movies and not so much a horror movie. Like, this, the effects were on par with movies like Casper, Hocus Pocus, Adam's Family, Beetlejuice, or, like, even Scrooge. Um, like, if we had seen this back then when my son was younger, like, this movie easily would have ended up in a heavy rotation on, on our weekend movie nights all the time. Like, because, uh, yeah, I just consider this, like, a fun, weird, wacky family movie, and I had a good time watching it. For your first time, very cool, very cool. Um, Ghoul, what did you think about The Frighteners? Uh, so, so this isn't my first time watching this one. Um, you know, I kind of feel the same way about it now as I did the first time I did. I find this movie to be very, like, uneven. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a Peter Jackson film, which, you know, I, I guess maybe that's part of the problem, too, right? So, so just like, I don't know, I, w- I would say the majority of, of us here in, in the States, you know, my introduction to Peter Jackson was through Lord of the Rings. Um, it wasn't until after seeing Lord of the Rings that then the, the Dean actually started to, to introduce me into some of his other stuff, uh, which obviously started with Dead Alive. Um, and then from there, though, you know, I obviously... I, I, and the funny thing is, is like, you know, like, I always saw the boxes for all of Peter Jackson's films. Like, I remember them clearly. Bad Taste, fucking, you know, Meet the... I don't remember Meet yeah. the Evils in the video store, but I remember Bad Taste. I remember fucking Dead Alive, you know. Nothing ever com- competes with that fucking skeleton coming through the face, you know, on, on the box art. And I yeah. just, for whatever reason, never went and watched the movie. So, like, you know, after seeing Lord of the Rings and everything, Dean, like, you know, bring, we, we finally watched this movie. We instantly love Dead Alive. It's one of our fucking favorite movies of, like, all fucking time. I, I became a huge Peter Jackson fan. Like, I love his horror films. I, I have Meet the Feebles. I have, like, all of his movies. Um, you know, and, and The Frighteners is one of, like, the last ones I got around to seeing because it was one that, like, you know, I never just, it just didn't, ever really strike my, my interest. And the only reason I ended up seeing it was because we covered this on the old version of the show. Um, Many. So way back when, we, we, did, we did cover this movie. Um, so not, not, you know, obviously it's no big deal. I, I wanted to redo it anyway because now we get the, you know, the whole fucking power team going and all that shit, and we're, we're all assholes now. Uh, we're all bitter. You know, back then we were all like, yeah, we love movies. Now we're like, fuck that fucking piece of shit. Here's the crap, you know? Fucking movie sucks, movie man. I don't care how much money you <laughs> yeah. Fucking blow me. Um, 
you know, back then we were all <laughs> trying to like keep our fucking language in check and all that stuff. Uh, Gosh darn it. So, so yeah, I, I, man, I really didn't think that was so terrible of a movie. You know, you know, you're a really pretty girl, and I think your acting was great. And yes, that movie was fantastic. I'm fucking lying so bad right now; it's terrible. Um, Thanks, Genevieve. <laughs> So, so getting into finally seeing this was like, okay, one, I wasn't expecting something to come off so tame. You know, it's almost like he did like the, he he did that whole thing where it was like, all right, all these other movies are so bloody and gory and vile, but there's still like this this feeling of fun involved with it. And then there's this, which feels like a Disney movie. Um, like I like I, just, I kept waiting to see like you know like just something fucking from Disney like pop up, and then there's like but every now and again there'd be a touch of something that was like, oh okay, that's a little, tad bit more violent you know like there's one one or two gore scenes in this where I was like, okay I kind of see that's that's that Peter Jackson touch, but I mean realistically it has all of the hallmarks of Peter Jackson's work you know when you really do look at it other than Michael J Fox. You know, the rest of the movie just feels like, like I look at this film and then I also see now, like, you know, I see obviously where the ring rates came from. You know, these were all things that he's going to end <laughs> up using in what will become his magnum opus in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But, you know, like I know that that was with Heavenly Creatures. And then, you know, I think the whole chess scene was something that they had seen uh, done, and that was something where they were like, you know what, look at what he was able to do with that. We think maybe he can do this on a bigger scale. But then, obviously, with this movie, too, I'm sure they're like, wow, hey, look what he was able to do with this now, too. So this guy can work special effects. He can work practical effects. You know, let's uh, let's talk to him about doing, you know, what will eventually be one of the biggest movies of all time. Uh so yeah, so like I said, for me this movie kind of it's 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 too uneven for me to really enjoy it. Michael J. Fox is, is doing what Michael J. Fox does in like everything, so it's almost like watching him in Back to the Future Two when he's trying to pretend to be his fucking you know his kid, you know where he's just like over the top. I'm still trying to portray myself as like this young, awkward, physical guy. And you know what? Michael J. Fox is in his like 40s by this point. Stop trying to be that, you know, be a 40 something year old fucking dude. It's okay. You know, it's, you know, and I love Michael J. Fox, but like, I don't know. But that, that's kind of my feelings on the Frighteners. So. Hmm. Very cool. All right. Dean, what'd you think about the Frighteners? Um, kind of similar to, to what everybody said. So I had seen, I don't think I had seen the entire movie uh, not long after its release. The Gould just wrapped up say, like saying, I too, um, you know, was a, was a Michael J. Fox fan. And one, one of the distinctive things that I remember uh, when I first started seeing advertisements for the Frighteners, one, at that point in time, um, you know, I didn't have awareness as to, like, who Peter Jackson was. Like, I had seen Bad Taste. Um, I had not seen Dead Alive. But I didn't, uh, I didn't, pers- like, I didn't think Bad Taste of Jackson. I just thought Bad Taste, the guy's brain falls out. He puts it back in. He ties a belt on his head. Like, I thought all of that stuff. I wasn't into, like, who the creator was for a movie like that at that point in time. Uh, so it wasn't like, oh, mm. Peter Jackson, who made Bad Taste. You know, it was more that Michael J. Fox was, uh, you know, being presented in like a 
and is this a horror movie? Is it a comedy horror movie? What exactly is this? The advertisements, I remember, didn't really give you a sense of what it was, but it did have those kinds of special effects like from a Casper, like the monkey was talking about. So, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox, who was always in, like, mostly always in fair uh, that was, pres- like, were pitched to, like, a younger audience until he tried to go a little darker with um, the war one with Sean Penn, um, Casualties of War. And yeah. uh, there was another one where he was like a like a businessman, like struggling with like Bright the life. business life and addiction. Uh, Bright life, Bright big, life city. big city. Bright life, big city. Uh, but then I saw that in the theater, man. Yeah, right. Right. So, but after those, after those, it was right no, back in no, a row. No, no, I saw to, the like, secret of my success. Sorry, that was another one that he did that was serious. Yeah, no, the secret. Yeah, I just rewatched that one. Is a straight up, <laughs> the secret of my Totally, like it's like a romantic comedy. I love the secret of my success. That's not a serious movie at all. I, I, um, uh, <laughs> it seems serious to me. Go ahead, as a little say, kid watching it in the theater. Okay. <laughs> Remember, it even had that 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 with that song in the '80s movies that oh yeah, like uh, <laughs> definitely a comedy. Bow, bow. Um, if you were to go watch it now, like, and I really uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I, I, oh, I, I, I love that. I love that. Uh-huh. Great, great, uh, great cast in that one. Helen Slater. Um, anyway, uh, Bright Light Big City was like the dark side of the secret to my success. So the secrets of my success. But anyway, after those two, Bright Lights, Big City, and Casualties of War, it was then back to the lighter fare, like all in a row. It was Back to the Future Part 2, then Back to the Future Part 3, then Doc Hollywood, uh, which is a romantic comedy, and then he was the voice in Homeward Bound. And, you know, then he just, you know, had some not great box office success. Uh, there was one he was like a concierge trying to make a ho- open a hotel. And uh, that oh, was like a I comedy remember that with one the, too. With the girl, the, the girl actress was the girl from Father of the Bride, um, uh, something something where he was like an agent for like child actors. That was like a, like a slapstick kind of thing. Mikey. Um, yeah. And then Mikey life with Mikey, life with Mikey. Uh, and then we have him playing like bit parts. There's an excellent uh, Michael Douglas, uh, American president where he's like one of the political staffers. Uh, he's in the switch is like kind of a first uh, for Michael J. Fox. So I didn't really kind of get it all the way, I guess, when I saw it. Like I, like I said, it was like uneven or um, unsure of what it really wanted to be. Watching it now, holy shit, is this a Peter Jackson movie? Um, <laughs> from its location, uh, you know, with with a blend of with a blend of Dead Alive, as far as like the, the shooting style and scenery, and also a blend of, and of course, not the dark, twisted lesbianism uh and 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 grimness of heavenly creatures but also a similar vibe uh there in some ways as well um with this weird kind of ghost story con man business so i like i kind of enjoyed the frighteners and i think like for how i feel about peter jackson i was really hoping that i would like it a whole lot more than i did um, so while I enjoyed getting it to watch it, like understanding who Peter Jackson is now and being a fan of Michael J. Fox, um, you know, uh, like I was, I was hoping it would be better. Uh, and I will, I will certainly, 
Uh, well, I have other thoughts that we'll get to in the, in the conversation. But, yeah, so I'm glad I got to see it now, understanding it as a Peter Jackson movie. So that was a good part. Unfortunately, I don't think it fully, like, worked, whatever the um, vision that Peter Jackson had for it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, and kind of resound everything because I, I don't really have much to say about the Frighteners. Um, I was just, I mean, it's okay. It's an okay movie. I mean, there's some cool things that happen in it, and I think Jake Busey plays a great villain. Um, anything Jeffrey Combs does, I love. So him in this movie as Agent Dammer was fucking great because he's just fucking phenomenal. <laughs> um, you know, and and Michael J. Fox is Michael J. Fox, like you know, and. I even like the, the ghost that he works with. I mean, John Aston, again, I'm a huge fan of John Aston from his work on the Adams family, but I thought it was a missed opportunity to not have Christopher Lloyd play the judge. And like, Oh shit. It's like a fucking back to the future reunion and shit. But well, no, it's, it's funny. It's judge. funny that you say that because I was reading earlier that when they were filming the movie, they had to keep stopping and reshooting because when they were filming, instead of saying judge, Michael J. Fox on set kept saying doc. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I figured that he would. <laughs> you know? And then another yeah, another it, it, thing that I that I picked up on that that I noticed right away when when meeting the characters and we met um we met um uh um what the fuck is the husband the the husband's character's name oh Ray when we meet Ray and Lucy right. Lucy, uh and I, I I knew this right away uh it was Melanie Lipke who played one of the girls in Heavenly Creatures and Kate Winslet. Oh, so I was like, oh, he's yeah, the yeah, yeah. A little, a little, she also little, plays Rose in Two and a Half Men, and she's mm-hmm. in uh, yeah. Yellow Jackets too currently. Yeah, yeah, Melanie, mm-hmm. I yes. love seeing her she in was, anything. I, you know, like she is, she's one of those actresses that she's just kind of like, you know what? She's just always she herself was best. in everything, and it just works very in well. Detroit Rock City, she was best. Yes, mm-hmm. she was. Uh, he fucks him in a church. So, yeah. So Frighteners, it, it's yep. um again, it's a, uh, just like the monkey had said. I, I would definitely recommend the Frighteners for you know a younger audience because it's not Peter Jackson doing Dead Alive or Bad Taste. It's it's Peter Jackson doing a ghost movie where you know it, it's not gory. It's just kind of fun and and you know you have the Danny Elfman score which kind of adds to the kind of fun oh, yeah. family kind of friendly <laughs> stuff and. You also have that really weird Don't Fear the Reaper cover by the band that sounds like Goo Goo Dolls from the same era of 96. It's not the Goo Goo Dolls, but it's a very fucking weird cover that sounds like it. But um, I think they were called like the so, Mud Dogs or something. Pussy so. song. So, King, while, while you're talking about the different cast members, I do want to bring up two. And, and maybe you guys can answer this question or, if you ha- or, or maybe you have other examples. But is there anyone... Um, and it, it all started because this actor, one who became an actor, was a consultant uh, on the set, uh, not, for, not for the Frighteners, of course, but he was a cult consultant on the set for uh, Stanley Kubrick's Full Metal Jacket, who said to Stanley Kubrick, why don't you just let me do this? I can do this much better. And we were introduced to R. Lee Ermey as oh, yeah. Hartman in Full Metal yeah. Jacket. Is there someone else that entered the realm of movies that was able to parlay that whole routine into as much of a career as that guy did? Can't imagine. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell? In a different way. I mean, in a different way, but uh, just from a strictly, like, drill sergeant type of way. Arlie Ermey just fucking took it. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, well, to a lesser degree. <laughs> but, yeah, so um, the movie opens on a rainy night in the small town of Fairwater, where Patricia Bradley is being chased by a mysterious entity uh, around this old-looking house where she lives with her mother. Patricia is screaming and fearing for her life when her mother appears from the bedroom with a pump-action shotgun, shoots a mysterious figure as its shape appears through the carpet at the top of the stairs. And then we cut booyaka, to the booyaka. next day, <laughs> yeah, where the residents of Fairwater are gathering for a funeral in the community, as you do. We also get introduced to local newspaper editor Magda Lee Jones and her assistant as they're reporting on a seemingly another innocent death among the town residents. And then we get introduced to psychic investigator Frank Bannister arriving at the funeral, desperately trying to advertise his ghostly paranormal services, but he ends up being asked to leave, and when he leaves in his Volkswagen, he accidentally drops his cards, which causes him to smack into a fence. And that Not home is owned by Ray Linsky. Okay, I don't care. I just, it's a fucking, it looks like a fucking Volkswagen. I put it in my goddamn name. You know, fucking over here. Well, I know the fucking year the model. Of, that model didn't like come with seatbelts. Volkswagen, like, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... Ray Linsky comes out of his house and he's fucking pissed. So, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Thank you to Shannon Hamilton of The Distinguished Gentleman. Uh, So uh, after Ray yells at him about wrecking his fence, Frank gives him his business card and drives off after deliberately running over one of Ray's garden gnomes. Then we cut to over on the other side of town, Ray's (laughs) room. Not Bonzo, not Bonzo. Uh, On the other side of town, Ray's wife, Dr. Lucy Linsky, visits the Bradley house to treat Patricia's cuts. Um, she bandages her hand, and she's like, you know, you should probably go to the hospital. But, of course, Patricia's mother is like, she never leaves the house. She'll give her some antibiotics. And when Lucy manages to get Patricia away from her mother, she notices how, she, you know, Patricia's kind of weak and frail, and she also has some bruises on her neck. This is amazing to see Dee Wallace as uh, Patricia, by the way, as we'll see later on in the movie, because I just adore oh, yeah. this movie, because she's America's fucking mom, but she fucking loses her shit towards some point in this movie, and I love it. But, um, so <laughs> Patricia's mom rushes Lucy out of the house and tells her her daughter is not to be trusted. She was involved in a cold-blooded murder. Becoming intrigued by this history, Lucy watches a documentary about the notorious serial killer Johnny Bartlett, played by Jake Busey. <gasps> um, Over the course of 27 minutes, he basically killed 12 people in a hospital. Um, He was trying to get up to the numbers of Charles Starkweather, and he wanted to get past 11 people who uh, Starkweather killed in a Nebraska killing spree. Um, So we eventually see footage of the horrific scene of the hospital victims, as well as Bartlett being escorted out to police uh, after his disgusting act. Then we find out that 15-year-old Patricia Ann Bradley, daughter of the hospital administrator, was also implicated in the killings. Johnny oh. Bartlett, the unrepentant killer, was sentenced to death by old Sparky, where he said, I got me a score of 12. Beat that. So, of course, he beat Starkweather's <laughs> record of, of 11. And in what's considered a miscarriage of justice by this documentary, Patricia Ann Bradley was sentenced to life imprisonment, although it was never proven that she was actively participating in the killings. And that's when, five years ago, Patricia was granted a release by the state governor where she lives in a family home with her mom. So at this point, Ray is fucking sick of it. And Ray just wants to get a little fucking sex from his wife, as you would. And he's like, come on, baby, let's go. But instead, 
as they start to kiss, he sees Frank's card, and all of a sudden shit starts going crazy. We, the bed starts flying in the air. Objects start flying everywhere in the kitchen, in the living room. We see a little Raggedy Ann doll start to grab onto Ray. He's like, you're not real, and fucking hitting it with a fucking pillow just to get it away from him. So Lucy calls Frank. He arrives at the house trying to deal with the supernatural, and instead of charging the couple, he offers to do it in return for not having to pay for the damaged fence. Ray doesn't oh, really oh, care about nice this shit. Them. Right? <laughs> so instead of 450, 450, I'll just do it for free for the fence. So he grabs his old style radio, goes around with a little water gun filled with holy water, and then eventually he pops <laughs> out the ghost in a little fucking baggie that he decides to take with him because Lucy and Ray want nothing more to do with that baggie. So Frank eventually arrives home in his half built house. As he gets out of his car, a spirit exits the trunk. A young 1950s nerd called Stuart, followed by a 1970 afro-haired ghost that we know as Cyrus, played by the wonderful Chi McBride. He's another actor that I fucking love anytime he's in it. But I just love the fact that he's like, you don't want a bunch of fucking black ghosts getting together, Frank. You don't want that to happen because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, they just want to be you know, given credit where credit's due. So Frank's associates and the ghost help him con local residents by haunting their homes. And while Stuart is about to join them in the house, Frank closes the door on him. But, of course, he gets stuck because his ectoplasm has become too stiff. And then Frank asks him if yeah. there's anything to do with the glowing number he saw on Ray's head. So there was a glowing number on Ray's head that Frank saw before he left the house. And he's like, do you guys do that? No. They can't claim responsibility for the glowing number on Ray's head. So – the next day is Cyrus and Stuart are talking to Frank in the kitchen about how he doesn't appreciate how loyal their services are. We hear a bunch of gunshots go off and another spirit enters a room, Judge, and he's from the 1800s. He enters the room trying to shoot the ghost dog, Rustler, as Rustler gnaws on the judge's jawbone. Frank gets the jaw back and tells him to put his guns away. He sits looking through the newspaper trying to find work, and the judge contemplates finally retiring and having his body buried back into the graveyard. But Frank needs him. He's like, you're the old school guy. You know, I need help. You're the guy because how else am I going to finish this house? I need the money. So the judge reluctantly says, you know what? You need to stop scheming people and get a real fucking job. And he's like, you know, beat that. I don't need a job. That's too heavy. And he's like, oh, what the fuck is that shit? (laughs) So that's when we cut to Cyrus and Stuart arriving at a rich woman's house and they start causing fear and panic by picking up the residents' babies and scaring the mother half to death along with the maid as they see the babies flying through the air. <laughs> and it was great when Cyrus is talking to the baby. All right, we're going to do this thing. All right, baby? And the baby starts laughing. He's like, see, the kids, they get it. The kids get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, Frank yeah. is immediately called. And when Frank arrives at the house, he's like, all right. We got some stuff to do here. I mean, it seems like this is a big thing. We got big, heavy haunting. But then he eventually finds out that the woman knows, and she's not interested. And that's when she hands him the local newspaper and shows him a picture of Frank with the headline, Local Con Man Haunts Cemetery, which causes Frank to get a little bit angry. So he confronts Magdalene Jones at the Gazette about printing the story. But she tells him that he's a parasite who makes money off the bereaved, and she has every right to let people know about him. He decides to leave, and as he sees another funeral taking place, he sees Lucy in one of the cars crying. As he starts walking down the sidewalk, he immediately sees Ray running towards him, but not in human form. 
Ray is now dead. <laughs> His spirit runs straight through him. Ray is panicking and can't understand how he died so young and so fit. He tells Frank that just before he died, he felt his heart being crushed while he was working out. Frank then tries to explain the rules of the afterlife to him, like he can't eat, he can't shit, he can't piss, no more vitamins. And that's when Ray asks him to give him a ride to the funeral. So as we arrive at the graveyard, just like the Dean was talking about earlier, we get into introduced to Drill Sergeant Hiles, the watchful spirit of all the other ghosts who walks out of a tomb and orders the ghost to get back in your graves. And that's when he decides to <laughs> yell at Frank for being there. Frank knows he's in trouble. And that's when he tells Ray to go on ahead while he can talk to Sergeant Hiles. The two have a fight, but Hiles' supernatural abilities, Frank has no choice but to submit to him. Hiles shouts at him that the inhabitants of the graveyard, and he's in charge, not you. And Frank goes off to join Ray at the funeral. And I love how he switches out of his uh, drill sergeant uniform into the tank top and boxers so he can fucking punch him in the face with the <laughs> boxing gloves on. <laughs> and then he switches right back. Um, got a laugh out of me. Um, so Ray is super emotional about his death. He falls into his grave as he tries to put his arms around Lucy, and then he's horrified as he's laying on top of his own corpse. And then you see the coffin getting, you know, he's like, oh, God, oh, God. Like, he's trapped in it. And he's not. He's a ghost. He can get out. Um, as the mourners start to leave the graveside, we're introduced to Sheriff Walt Perry, played by Troy Evans. And if you don't know who Troy Evans is, aside from being a character actor, he was one of the deputies in Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. He's the one that gets hung oh, outside shit. the Myers there house by his neck. Come on, ready. So... He talks to, to Frank a little bit, and apart from Lucy, he was the last person to see Ray alive, and he wants to know what condition he seemed to be in when he saw him. He says there's also the FBI coming to town because they're very concerned about the amount of deaths that are happening. Many of the victims are healthy, have clean arteries, but when the autopsy has taken place, the hearts look like they have been squeezed. Frank tries to get rid of Walt by pretending that he wants to pay his respects to Ray in order to pull Ray's spirit out of the grave. Walt is, alarmed. Walt is alarmed to see Frank physically grappling with thin air and seemingly talking to nothing. As Frank and Ray get ready to leave, an emotional Lucy approaches him and tells Frank that she believes in his paranormal gifts. And then he tells her, in fact, that he has communicated with Ray. You know, you want to go out to dinner or something? And she's like, yeah, why not? Let's go out to dinner, and then we could talk about Ray and figure out what he's all about. So Frank has dinner with Lucy. Ray joins him at the, this weird fucking, it's not medieval times by any means, but it's definitely fucking like medieval times light, where it's like fucking just like <laughs> walking around and shit for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know why he decided that was the place to go, but. <laughs> it's it's, it's uh, like so, almost yeah. like going to, going to a rent fair. <laughs> it really is like. There was a guy walking around with a fucking mandolin, and, you know, you have these buxom, like, you know, waitresses, like, handing out food. I think it's a weird fucking place. Like, you think the cable guy's going to pop up cheering for the Red Knight, but no, it doesn't happen. <laughs> I mean, he is on the six. But uh, Ray is at this dinner, and he becomes increasingly frustrated as his wife seems to be bonding with Frank throughout the evening. She asks Frank why he could see spirits, and Frank tells her that he was in a car accident five years earlier, and sometimes a traumatic experience can alter a person's perception. Lucy opens up as well. She tells Frank that her and Ray's marriage is not a happy one. And just as Frank tries to console her by grabbing her hand, Ray angrily knocks over a glass of wine into Frank's lap. Thrilled that he can now use and uh, make uh, physical contact with the real world, Ray threatens Frank and then disappears. 
but Frank excuses himself to go to the bathroom to dry his pants. A man enters, and Frank is shocked to once again seeing a glowing number on the man's head reading 38. Frank becomes oh, increasingly edgy as he sees the Grim Reaper. He appears and kills the man by reaching into his chest and squeezing his heart. The man's corpse drops to the floor, and Frank watches as the gateway to heaven opens up, and the man's spirit goes off to the other side. And that's when Frank rushes Mother. out of the restaurant and is pursued. Mom? <laughs> and Mom? We have a brief chase as uh, the Reaper chases after Frank. It's a brief chase in the not Volkswagen, as the monkey uh, made apparent. Um, but he is chased. Um, <laughs> And meanwhile, Lucy is escorted to the sheriff's office by one of Sheriff Perry's deputies as a witness to the whole situation at the restaurant. Walt is told that witnesses saw Frank rushing out of the restaurant before the dead man was found, and he tells his men to bring Frank in. Frank chases his reaper, as we had said. Stuart, Cyrus, and the judge are along for the ride. He tries his best to kill the reaper, but his car just goes straight through the cape figure, and it once again eludes him. And this is when we're introduced to FBI agent Milton Dammers, Played fucking awesomely <laughs> by Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey he arrives yeah. at the sheriff's office. The, 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 the not Jim Carrey character. <laughs> that's, yeah, you know what? That, that's my problem here. I like him. I do. I like Jeffrey Combs. I obviously love him from the reanimator. You know, like I know who this actor mm-hmm. is. But man, it's Jim fucking Carrey. He is 100% trying to be Jim Carrey here, and it's, mm. just, it's torturous to watch. See, I disagree. I disagree because I think he's playing a more manic version of Dr. Herbert West because he has the same type of cadence. He's just more manic about it. Like if you watch Reanimator again and you watch him as Herbert West and then you watch him as, uh, as Dammers, you're gonna see, there is a fucking similarity. It's just that he's playing So, I mean, crazier. how about this then, to pose the question, right? You're saying he's just playing a more manic version of, of, of Herbert West, but maybe that's just his cadence, and he's just mm-hmm. trying to be Jim Carrey, and that's how it's coming out. I, it's well, I just, the, phys- never got it's the physical movements. Yeah. It's the facial expressions. Yeah. It's all the stuff mm-hmm. that he's doing. And again, if you watched in living color and obviously, you know, by this time you had all kinds of Jim Carrey movies, just popping the fuck out everywhere. Like kids, they're like gremlins popping the fuck out. Pop, 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 pop. Another Jim Carrey movie. Pop, <laughs> pop, 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 pop. Fucking, you know, like yeah. it, was, it was fucking everywhere. No, no, I'm not saying that yeah, he wasn't everywhere from, from In Living Color all throughout the movies he did in the 90s. I've just never liked Jim Carrey, so I never really kind of put the two and two together. You know, I've just never been a Carrey fan, you know. I just I like have always found him fuck color. all annoying. Yeah, well, oh, come on, you, you, we all know you love them in Batman Forever. <laughs> so, uh, uh, fucking still have nightmares. Enigma. Enigma. So, Demers uh, believes it. For, <laughs> my Nygma. See, we could say that because it's Nygma, not the other one. Um, so, anyway, um, Demers <laughs> believes that Frank is on the killings. I'm allowed to say the mm-hmm. other one for some part. So, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Well, I'm not going to do it because I'm not part that way. So, I'm just going to move on and talk about the Frighteners. I'm not going to do it because it's not the right thing to do. <clears throat> How about that? <clears throat> I love that. Like that's the real answer, King. Okay, that's the real fucking answer. You're not not because you're not part. You're not gonna say it because it ain't right. 
Well, I'm not going to say it because that's not the right podcast for it. That's another podcast that we don't host and we don't want anything to do with. So that's what we're not going to do. Um, so, what podcast do we not want anything uh, to do with? No, it, there's another podcast out there, I'm sure, that uh, is run by Proud Boys, uh, where they probably openly say those type of things, and we're not associating with them. So not worried about mm-hmm. it. We're a horror movie podcast, and we're talking about the Frighteners and how Danvers believes that Frank is behind the killings. And he also has a problem with when women get out of control and start raising their voice, and he almost vomits. So Danvers has to control that. Because um, he's a big when, old limp dick and can't handle that big woman power. <laughs> no, he can't. So Danvers is the one that tells Lucy all about what happened five years earlier when Frank and his wife had the car crash. They discovered that Deborah's body, Frank's wife, was found with the number 13 carved into her forehead 15 yards away from the car. Frank was picked up wandering the forest, claiming to have no recollection of the incident. Then we cut to Frank tracking down the Reaper at a museum where the 39th life has been taken. Frank sees that Magdalene Jones's forehead has a number 40 glowing on it. She's going to be the next target. He tries to warn her, but two deputy sheriffs arrive to arrest him. The Reaper shows up, but the officers have their guns pointed at Frank. And that's when the judge appears and starts shooting the Reaper, using his guns until the Reaper is finally subdued and brought under the ground. The judge also finds a lot of sexy Egyptian sarcophaguses that he wants to hook up with. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> starts fucking huffing the mummies and shit like that. <laughs> he likes it when they don't move around a lot. <laughs> it's like, uh... <laughs> so Cyrus and Stuart cause a diversion so Frank can get away. But throughout all the commotion, Frank finds Magda, punches her, knocking her out, so he can carry to his car to safety. He drives away, but the Reaper is in pursuit and forces Frank to crash his car right around where Deborah died years earlier. Magda crawls away from the car trying to escape Frank, who she thinks is fucking crazy. Frank tries to get her to listen to him, but he's dazed and confused as the Reaper plunges toward her and crushes her heart. He has no luck saving people. Get the fuck away from Frank Bannister if you can, because you are going to fucking die if he's around. So Frank jumps toward the Reaper, but it disappears again, and he lies face down on the Magda's corpse. The gateway to heavens opens up, and Magda's spirit jumps from her body and accuses Frank of being a sick murderer who is responsible for her and his wife's death. So even in death, Magda's still fucking yelling at him. <laughs> She's going up to heaven. You know, it's fucking great. Hey, bitch. Um, <laughs> so Frank arrives back at the sheriff's office and tells them all what happened. He basically says, everything is my fault. I have to be arrested. Lucy doesn't believe it but she storms out as Frank is being taken to the interrogation room that's going to be headed off by Dammers. And we cut to Dammers and Walt sitting in the interrogation room with Frank, who looks demoralized at this point. Dammers calls him a dangerous man, but Walt refuses to believe that Frank is behind the murders. Dammers uses his power of authority to tell Walt to get the hell out of here while he questions Frank. Frank tells Dammers that he's not a murderer. Yeah, so he tells him that he can communicate with the other side, and he's seen the spirit of death killing people by reaching into their chests, but Dammers doesn't believe any of it, and he believes that Frank to be responsible for the crime, so he's not letting it go. doesn't matter what the fuck he tells Dammers. He's guilty, send him to fucking jail, and that's when Lucy goes to Frank's house to see if she can find any evidence to clear him, and as she wanders, Ray decides that he's going to be looking too. And she walks outside and sees a nice garden, and she sees a basketball court that got put over it. Here's the phone ring. 
and it's obviously Frank on the voicemail. It's old Mrs. Bradley trying to tell Frank about her fears for her daughter, Patricia. Lucy believes the mother to be dangerous, and after hearing the message, heads over to their house. So now we have Ray walking to the house with Patricia, and as Patricia gets to the house, it suddenly becomes warped and turns into a weird shape, and he can sense that there's danger lurking inside. And Patricia, go ahead, go ahead and walk inside the house. She makes it to the top of the stairs um, and tells Lucy, you need to hide from my mom. So her mom walks back in. The two of them rush into Patricia's bedroom. Lucy tells Patricia that she needs to get away and start a new life for herself. <clears throat> and that's when Lucy sees an urn on the side in Lucy's bedroom. And Patricia says that's her father's ashes. Uh, her father killed himself after discovering that Patricia had been involved with a serial killer. She hears her mom coming up the stairs and tells Lucy to hide in the closet. Just as she gets inside, her mother enters. Patricia offers to make her a cup of tea, and they walk out together. Lucy finds a Stanley knife in the wardrobe with the initials at B. She realizes oh. that it's Frank's that Dammers had told her had gone missing after Deborah's death. So Lucy oh. slowly walks down the stairs to sneak out. The urn starts to glow, and a figure appears in the wall behind Lucy trying to sneak up. Lucy, oblivious to this threat, rushes out of the house as Ray walks in trying to protect her. His face is slashed right the fuck off by a figure's hand, and as Lucy gets into her car, <clears throat> Ray's deformed spirit is tossed onto the hood of the car, which she can't see. I, <laughs> I love this mm-hmm. idea of this creature being able to actually kill ghosts and the, and the way they handle it here, and it's just, you know, it's not nice, it's not pretty, you know, but the fact that a reaper cannot you know, not only kill people, but it, this thing also has the power to actually kill ghosts as well. I thought that was really cool. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> Lucy goes to see Frank in his cell and tells him that old Mrs. Bradley must be responsible for Deborah's death. She found his knife in her bedroom, and she's crazy enough to do anything like that. Frank's still kind of fucking depressed about everything. So he hugs Lucy, and he sees Cyrus and Stuart enter the room as well. When he looks at Lucy's oh, face, shit. he sees the number 41 glowing on her forehead. She's going to oh, be the next victim. <laughs> and that's when the Reaper appears through the cell door and tries to kill her. But with the help of Stuart and Cyrus, he tries to protect her in the confines of the cell. Lucy shouts for the deputy to come and unlock the door, and that's when we see Stuart get dissolved by the Reaper's scythe. He's gone. As Frank hears oh, the cell door shit. unlock, he kicks the door into the deputy's head and knocks him out so he can escape with Lucy. And that's when Dammer shows up and draws his gun. Lucy rushes up to him and tells him that Frank is crazy as Cyrus battles the Reaper. And then we see that Cyrus's soul is taken by the Reaper as well. And Frank takes Dammer's gun and runs out of the precinct with Lucy. He tells her that he must kill himself in order to become a spirit and protect her. He's ready to put a bullet in his goddamn head if I have to. And she's like, well, you don't have oh. to do that. I could just fucking uh, induce hypothermia. And slow your heart rate down so I could kind of bring you back. And he's like, oh, well, I was totally kind of convinced on the whole killing myself thing with this gun. But your plan sounds a lot better, so let's do that plan. So, of course, he's brought into a cryogenics room, and he slowly starts to die. Uh, Dammer appears at the same time, armed with an Uzi machine gun, and he thinks oh, Frank deserves yeah. to die for his supposed crimes. <laughs> and then he's like, by the way, Yay, Americans. <laughs> yep. Like this is, this is how the Australians feel about us. Americans in their fucking machine guns. <laughs> and they're fucking Uzi. So, of course Dammers takes Lucy away. Um Frank wakes he's up as a, a Kiwi, spirit. not an Aussie motherfucker. 
He's from New Zealand. That's true. <laughs> Let's be fair. But anyway, so Dammers handcuffs Lucy to the back of one of the sheriff's cars and drives off. Frank pursues them. As he's trying to get used to his new abilities as a ghost, he sees the Reaper rapidly jumping and flying through the town, trying to get Lucy in the car. And just as the Reaper launches onto the roof of the car, Frank flies down and knocks it onto the road. A car zooms past, crashes into Frank, and smashes him in tiny pieces of ectoplasm. The Reaper approaches him with a scythe as Frank's spirit molds himself back together. That's when a truck comes up, rams straight into the Reaper, and the Reaper is taken down the road, being flung by the front of the vehicle. So they have a temporary reprieve from the Reaper as Dammers takes Lucy into the graveyard at night. (laughs) Shit was getting too serious, so you know he had to start going all Looney Tunes with shit going, oh, it's okay, kids, it's okay. (laughs) We're going to put some shit (laughs) here now. So, yeah, so Dammers arrives at a graveyard with Lucy, and she wants to go back to revive Frank, but he's like, we're not going to fucking do that. There's no chance Frank's going to come back. So she starts yelling at him. He freaks out, gets out of the car, walking several yards away, and then he rips off his fucking shirt and reveals deeply scarred tissue on his body of various different shapes, like pentagrams and shit, and he's like, look at this shit. She's like, wow, fucking plot twist. You got a lot of shit going on, Dammers. <laughs> <laughs> And he said like it was all pain. Catholic, he likes to carve himself up. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Well, exactly right. It was uh, pain that he suffered through various religious groups. Um, it has its rewards, and he tries to prove it that he has some psychic sensibilities. Um, he manages to get the car <laughs> engine to start up. The gears, sh- uh, stick, and steering wheel begin to move. But Lucy knows that it's Frank. It has nothing to do with Dammers. Frank's the one that's in the car reversing it. Dammers chases after it, and that's when Sergeant Hiles reaches into the car window to grab Frank, throwing him to the ground. The car crashes, the Reaper shows up, and slices Hiles in half with his sight. Frank uses the machine guns that Sergeant Hiles dropped to shoot at the... Fu- Again, fucking gigantic machine guns that were using. So, you know, it's all the Americans and their fucking crazy guns. Yeah, um, it's like them, like, you know, practically ripping off the mask yeah. here or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I was thinking of, uh, uh, is, of Eddie Valiant, you know, and his fucking guns. And, uh, uh, friend Roger Rabbit. Uh, yeah, there yeah, you go. That's what <laughs> yeah. So while all this is going on in the graveyard, a, a spirit shows up with the number one carved into his forehead. Um, and Frank realized that it was a doctor, which is one of the first victims. And we're also under the impression, as we find out, that Johnny Bartlett has been the Grim Reaper this entire time. Um, oh, and drips from the ground, forms itself into a human exactly. form, and the human spirit of Johnny is formed. Frank is about to destroy him with the scythe, but Lucy revives his body with chest plates. Frank wakes up panting for breath, and he tells her that Johnny's back, and she needs to go and get Patricia out of the house and save her from Johnny. Lucy gets to the house, but also, guess what's going to happen? Patricia's fucking crazy, as we had said, and I'm kind of turned by it. Um, by because, you know, Dee Wallace looking fucking good. She's nuts. I probably would have asked her out a couple of times, you know, but, you know, she's insane. <laughs> yeah, she was and in grabs, that prime age group for you. <laughs> <laughs> she was. I mean, you know, she still kind of is. Dee Wallace still looks kind of fucking good. Um, so I have no problem with it. So Lucy goes upstairs to see uh, if Mrs. Bradley is going to come with them. And when she sees the bedroom door open, she's horrified to see that Mrs. Bradley has been dead. And, again, like I had said, this is when you find out that Patricia's crazy because she's holding her mother's pump-action shotgun, firing it at Lucy, 
who tries to run away, but Johnny's ghost appears, yanking out the rug from underneath her, trying to strangle her to death. Frank eventually arrives as his ghost form, and, and I mean, not as his real form, sorry, his corporeal form, I should say, um, and manages to fight off Johnny. Johnny tries to kill Lucy once again, but Frank puts the lid down and sees, um, oh, I'm sorry, it was a portrait that he tried to kill Johnny with. I'm thinking that it was a table, but it was a portrait he tried to kill Johnny with. Um, Frank also finds Johnny's name on the urn that Patricia had said was her father's, so obviously she has her boyfriend's ashes at the bedside. So he tells Lucy at the end of the chapel and get the ashes to the other side, realizing that there's a chapel in the old psychiatric and now derelict hospital, which is located just behind the Bradley house, the pair head off there on foot. And I love the fact that the hospital where they fucking had a massive killing spree is right behind the house. <laughs> oh, the old hospital? Yeah. Yep, yep. That's like right down the dirt path right oh, yeah. down the house. You can actually see oh, it this from is the porch not, if you look. This is not going to do any mental damage to my daughter who was possibly implicated in a murder at all in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> well, the mom so was. Old, right? Wasn't the mom like, like the head person or something, though, at the time? They said An administrator. Like, you know, yeah. Like the, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That, that may have been why. So, that's close. Um, so when Lucy and Frank get to the building, they start walking through the hallways looking for the chapel. Um, and Patricia is following close behind them, still armed with the pump batch and shotgun. Uh, Frank at this time is also starting to have kind of psychic flashback episodes to when Johnny came in and started killing everybody and trying to get up past. I was uh, really liking that part. It was so fucking good. I, I was like, the flashback to, you know, I, yeah. I was really enjoying the mm-hmm. killing spree. That was really cool and just fucking cold. It was just kind of like that light gore, you know, like we were talking about. It's like you're not going to get a, a blood fest, but you're going to get some gore, and it pays off. Um, and then Frank hears in one of his episodes that the chapel's, the chapel's on the fourth floor. And that's when Dammers arrives at the hospital, still believing that Frank is a killer. Uh, Frank and Lucy are forced to split up when Patricia appears in the hallways and starts shooting at the both of them. Lucy has the urn of Johnny, but Dammers gets hold of her and throws her head into a wall. Lucy punches him and gets away and manages to get into an elevator before he could reach her. She starts going up to the fourth floor, but the elevator breaks down. Frank is still running upstairs, comes across the chapel, hears Lucy crying out. He tries to pry the elevator door open, but to no avail, and she manages to pass him the urn through the door to take to the chapel. And that's when Frank decides he's going to put down the urn to smash the door open, he bumps into a statue of the Virgin Mary as it falls onto the table, sending the urn flying to the other side of the hall. Dammers makes a fucking NFL catch. Frank is pissed and asks for it back, but Dammers opens it, releasing Johnny's ashes. Johnny's spirit laughs as the dust breathes away. Frank picks up a metal bar, ready to fucking brain Dammers for doing just this, but Dammers pulls out his machine gun and shoots him in the arm. Facing away from the FBI agent, holding his bloody arm, Frank sees Patricia walk around the corner in the distance, ready to shoot him with a shotgun. But instead, Dammers is the one that gets shot, gets his head blown clean off, and then his ghost head appears behind what's left of his neck, which I thought was a cool fucking effect. <laughs> so, yes, it was. As this happens, Frank crashes through the wooden boards of the floor. Patricia starts to shoot at Lucy in the elevator. She avoids the bullets, and the elevator starts automatically going again for some reason. It's like, oh, it works. It's fine. Um, Bloodied and bruised, Frank starts to crawl, crawl along the floor of the vivisection room of the hospital. Um, Lucy makes it to the ground floor, rushing to Frank, but he's nearly knocked out. 
Patricia appears behind her and hits her over the head with the butt of the gun. Frank flashes back to the moment when his wife Deborah died, and he finally remembers exactly what happened in that moment. He sees the Reaper transform into Johnny as he stood over his wife's body, and Patricia is the one that cut into his wife's forehead with the fucking knife. Again, he wow was looking pretty fucking good. I was like, you know, she might be insane, but that's a girl that's going to stay with you, man. I mean, she will fucking drop <laughs> bodies for you. That's a keeper. That's just somebody that you want to keep in the back pocket. If you ever need a girlfriend like that, you keep her. If she's she's willing to go to fucking jail. She's willing to kill. <laughs> um, Patricia points the shotgun at Frank, ready to kill him, but she's out of bullets. She Ooh, starts kicking at him. By the king. It's true. You know, <laughs> Patricia's a great girlfriend. She will lie for you. She will be the perfect fucking getaway witness for you. You know, and she'll kill every now and then. I mean, you know, it's like if you feel like taking a break, you're like busy or you got to go to work or something. She's like, don't worry about it. I'll collect the next one. It's like, oh, thanks. I, I got mean, the shit. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> you, I got the next You take one. a day off. Here, here's a beer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Patricia strangles Frank to death. Um, and as Lucy cries out, Johnny excitedly waits for Patricia to take Lucy's life as well. So Patricia picks up an axe from the vivisection area ready, but Frank's spirit jumps out at her, ripping Patricia's spirit from her body, takes her through a tunnel to the other side, and that's when Johnny chases him up through the tunnel of light as well. They get about halfway up, and he manages to pull away from Frank's grasp. Frank carries on floating towards heaven, and as Johnny and Patricia stay hovering in the middle of the tunnel, shouting at Frank that they're going to return to Earth to get more victims. And just as Frank is about to leap down after them, a voice stops him, Cyrus and Stewart are there, and they're fine. You know, plenty of good cigars. It's going to be great. Um, And they tell Frank, like, you know what? You're not going to want to really kind of look at what happens next for uh, Patricia and Johnny. Why? Why why is that? And that's when we see all of a sudden the tunnel turns red. A bunch of badly CGI worms start popping out of everywhere, spinning (laughs) around Johnny and Patricia. And eventually we cut to see a doom worm swallowing them whole, taking them down to the burning flames of hell. It's almost as bad as the final Friday. Oh, that's the final Friday. Oh, yeah. Final nightmare. (laughs) Oh, yeah. It's it's fucking terrible. Come on, Freddy. Yeah, those dream fucking demons. Um, So Frank watches this in disbelief and turns around and take a look at heaven. Cyrus and Stewart tell him that it's really something, huh? And that's when Frank sees his wife, Deborah, approaching with a smile. She's like, hey, it's time to go home. But no, your work's not done on Earth yet. So Cyrus pushes him, and he starts to flip through the clouds. I thought I he wakes up. Home. No, I was fucking... Nope. Um, <laughs> so eventually, as we, we begin to wrap up this story, Frank demolishes his old house in order to start a new life with Lucy. Walt pulls up and tells Frank that the investigation is officially over, they found a stash of Ouija boards at the house, and Patricia was using them to bring Johnny back from the dead. Her mother was trying to do her best to keep her sedated, but there was no chance of her stopping Johnny. As Walt gets into his car and drives off, Frank sees the ghost of Dammers in the back seat. To his surprise, Lucy can see him as well. And that's when she says to Frank, sometimes when you've had a traumatic experience, it can alter your perception. And then she decides to use a blanket to imitate the Reaper as she gleefully and laughingly chases after Frank as the movie comes to a close. I don't know if I'd want to do that to a guy who had very traumatic experiences being fucking dead. Um, I don't know if I'd want to put on a blanket and be like, I'm the Grim Reaper. Like, what if he just fucking had a heart attack and started falling on the ground? He's like, oh, God, oh, God, PTSD. And then that's how the movie ended, with him crawled up on the floor, like in a fetal position. 
<laughs> this, is, this is too heavy. This is too heavy. You know, it's a Grim Reaper. You know, and he's just laying on the ground in a fetal position and just crying as the credits roll. <laughs> fucking great. Like, what a weird fucking ending. But instead, we get the, the happy, gleeful ending as fucking Don't Fear the Reaper cover plays. It's an overrated song. Not enough cowbell. Yes. It's unfortunate because it's just... Again, I thought it was the fucking Goo Goo Dolls. I'm like, it's 96. They were still kind of in that grunge era. Like, they had just done the uh, the last Freddy movie. They had the I'm Awake Now song in that soundtrack. I'm like, oh, it's got to be the Goo Goo Dolls. Nope. There was some weird fucking band that just sounded exactly like them. I was like, eh. Because a lot of people forget that. Before that fucking pop fucking era of the Goo Goo Dolls, they were actually fucking good. Like, A Boy Named Goo is a fucking <laughs> great album. Like, they had a good fucking sound, and then all of a sudden, they came out with Iris, and it was fucking over for fucking goo. <laughs> it's like, they're a pop band now, you know? So. Um, but that was the hey, man, I, I, had, I had a romantic entanglement that had to do with that song. Thank good for you. <laughs> yeah, good for you. But anyway, I just yeah, uh, out of time, you know, so... I, uh, I, yeah, so King, I do, I do want to say though, uh, what a like your job on the narration this evening. I mean, man, did you just power through that with a relentless breakneck speed to get to the conclusion, man? <laughs> yeah, well, that's my notes. I, I make, I always try to make the breakneck notes and try to give you the fucking movie as best I can, and try not to miss any of it. I mean, that's the biggest thing is trying not to miss anything. Um, but anyway, uh, that was the monkey's pick for this week. Next week, Ghoul, it is your pick. What are we talking about next week on the show? Uh, again, I mean, I threw it out there to you guys. Uh, hopefully you all can – oh, he's already got a copy, so we are good to go. Uh, <laughs> we are do, last year, we're going to say we're going to go something new. Uh, something really recent. Uh, I have not seen it. It'll be a first time view for me. Uh, we are going to go with 2022's Pray for the Devil. So we are going to indeed praying for the devil. Uh, I, I think it's kind of got that vibes to it and stuff. And we've got a new Exorcist movie coming. So, so why not we roll with it? We're going to roll into into October and uh, and go with a little actual like horror horror, not like comedy horror. Enough with the fucking. Oh, yeah, because uh, Exorcist of the Blue. Well, uh, well I didn't out, know. Uh, next Friday. Because, so, <laughs> again, well, I never yeah. seen this movie, so I didn't know it was a comedy. <laughs> it's fine. It's a good pick. We all had fun. I did a breakneck speed <laughs> fucking narration. Good. Um, good. Yeah, good. but yeah, The Exorcist Sexy Believer narrative. comes out next uh, Friday. So, yeah, so we're going to be talking about Pray for the Devil on Wednesday, and then Exorcist Believer comes out on Saturday. Uh, but anyway. Dean, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Why don't you go ahead and send us off? Hey, get the fuck out of here. Thank you. Good night, everybody. That was fucking. That was wonderful. <laughs> All right, Monkey, why don't you go ahead and send yourself off? Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of Talking Terror and letting us come in your ear. Good night, everybody. I am. All right. Go ahead and go. Why don't you go ahead and send yourself off? I'm a sexy ghost. I'm gonna show you my sexy ghostly boobies. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's the monkey. I'm sorry. That that would have given you a... my <laughs> boobies. <laughs> my boobies. Uh, everybody. You know, I uh, I definitely had a night. So I'm like like half asleep already, man.
Peace. Yeah, I heard the yawning. Eat that coffee, but all right. And as always, yeah. I'm your old pal, the king of horror, NG. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. <laughs> so, as always, hail yourself, hail odorous, most importantly, hail Satan. Keep America strong, watch horror movies, and we'll see you back here next week for the Ghouls Film Pick of the Week. Pray for the devil. Horns up for this one, folks. Mm-hmm. Your mama. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.